things ready for us and uh, putting in a lot of extra time, and we sure appreciate the things they did. We had some good worship services going on here. A lot of folks uh, put some time in back there in the sound. We have recordings, and you guys can go back and listen to them again. And We had words up on the screen and people to help us out with folks are being prayed for and just all kinds of things going on. We appreciate all the help that you folks gave and, and all that. We're going to give a break to our regular series here and just uh, hit on some things. We called this Maintain What You Gain. There's a conversation that went on between Billy Graham and God. God said, Brother Billy, this is when Brother Billy Graham was around here and he said, uh, Brother Billy, I see that something's going on in the United States. I'm not quite sure what it is. I expected by this time to be seeing patches of flowers and dandelions and clovers. But instead, I see patches of green all over. It's just green. And the plants that I gave that would withstand drought, just about any kind of conditions and would multiply with abandoned and would attract songbirds and honeybees and oh, just so many things. They aren't there. What's going on? And so Brother Billy said, well, Father, it's the tribe that's settled there. See, they're called suburbanites. And they, in the spring, they... They, they like to grow grass, and in the spring they put fertilizer, and they put out poison to kill the dandelions and the clover and the other things. Grass, they, they want to grow grass, but grass is boring. It's just green. And there's nothing that gets attracted to it. They want grass, but granted, grass is temperamental. If it doesn't get enough water, if it's too hot, it doesn't grow right. They really want grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they want grass. It's, uh, it's what they, they like. Well, they must be real happy in the spring with all the extra rain that comes and the cooler temperatures. Well, you would think that, Brother Billy said, but uh, you know, when the grass grows like that, they, they cut it. They cut it? Yeah, sometimes twice a week. So God said, well, is it like a cash crop? Do they, do they cut it and sell it? No, no, no. They, they cut it and they bag it up and then they pay to have it taken away. God can't understand this. They want the grass. They want it to grow. But then they cut it when it does. And then they pay money to have it go away. Well, then they must like it in the summer when we cut back on the water and turn the heat up. Because then it won't grow as much. No, you would think they might be happy with that. But when that happens, they bring out the hoses and they water it themselves. So if it doesn't grow, they bring out the hoses to make it grow so they can keep cutting it and pay to throw it away. Brother Billy said, yeah, that's about it. God says, man, I'll tell you what, my original plan was much, much better. <laughs> I've never taken, taken care of a lawn, maintained a lawn. You know, it takes some work, doesn't it? They don't just happen. It takes a little bit of effort. And if you stop maintaining your lawn, what happens? It eventually changes. 
and the nice green grass that you had growing begins to be replaced with other things and other stuff going on. We want to talk some about maintenance today. Some folks were asking some things about maintenance during the week and you know, what do we do to keep things going? We had a great meet, uh, week of meetings or a weekend of meetings last, last time. And what do we do to keep that going? For some of you, you've received the healing on in a particular area. For some, you've received a word that ministered to you. For some, took you out of some, maybe a, uh, a mental state that you were in, emotional state, and brought you out past that. And whatever it might be, there was there were some folks that definitely made a change. They got from one spot to another, and they made some some growth. They made some progress. But how do you maintain that? Have you ever seen it in your life where you've made some progress in your spiritual walk, only to find out in a few months you're back to where you were? And then something else comes along and something happens, and you make some progress in your growth, and then you find out you are back where you were. Maybe you got healed of a thing that you were uh, coming against and then found you were back in the experience of that thing again. Maybe you got out of a mental state that you're in. You were depressed. You were upset. You were angry. You were out of whatever kind of mental state you can get into. And um, you got out of that and then you found yourself going back into it. You had some addictions, some habits you were trying to get rid of and you got out of that and then you came back into the same thing again. Have a, anybody ever having a, uh, made some gains in weight? I mean, either you want to lose weight or you want to gain weight, but you, you, know, you have a weight that you're at and you decide, I want to be at a different weight. It's either lower or higher, but it's not where you are at that point. And so then you try to do things to try and, and gain that weight. How many have ever done that? And how many made some gains in the direction that you wanted to go? <laughs> Not just talking about gaining weight here, come on. <laughs> but you made some gains in the direction that you wanted to go, and only to find out that after a little while, it came back, or it went away, or whatever happened was going to go on. It, I think that sometimes our bodies just have a weight that they just are, are happy with. How many like that, th- that theory? Anybody want to adopt that theory? Our bodies just have a weight that they're happy with, and they're just going to find their way back there <laughs> one way or another. You know, it's, um, my, my body has always had a, you know, it's, it's, the weight has changed at different times, but you know, well, I was one of the few people who went to college. Uh, I mean, a, a number of people I know went to college and gained some weight. I was one of the few people who went out for the cross-country team and gained weight. That's because I was so incredibly light when I went there. <laughs> I actually gained about seven or eight pounds uh, running uh, anywhere from 70, 80 miles a week and gained some weight. And I came up to what I found out was my ideal weight, which was 145 pounds. That was my ideal weight. Now, you would say, no, that's not an ideal weight for someone like you. Well, it was if you're a cross-country runner, because a cross-country runner is supposed to weigh two pounds per inch, which since I was the, weight that I, the height that I was, I should be exactly 145 pounds. And I was exactly 145 pounds. <laughs> Now, I would have some variance in that. We would go out and run. I would lose as much as eight pounds in one run. And then we'd gain it back. But uh, I just stayed at that weight for the longest time. Until sometime many years, uh, several years later, I found myself and I worked my way up to, and I was actually trying for a while, actually lifting weights and 
eating those protein drinks and, and you know, they put the raw eggs in it. You know, I put three raw eggs into a thing of milk and some protein stuff and some other stuff. I mean, it was, it was high in calories and I would drink that along with the breakfast that I would eat. I would eat bread between meals. I would eat all the time and I would work out at the gym and I worked out with a person and he said, because I told him, I said, I like to get a little bit bigger. I don't like to be so small. I like to get a little bit bigger. And so we set that up and we worked at it for six to eight months. And finally, he just came to me and said, Steve, it's not happening. <laughs> I worked hard. I ate right. But he says, unless you're willing to give up some miles, it's, I don't think it's going to happen for you. And so I just stayed there. But then after a while, I gained about 155 and I stayed there for a little while. And now I gained up to 165. I am now the heaviest I have ever been in my entire life. I am 165 pounds. And it just stays that way. I can eat a lot. I can eat a little. I can sometimes go through a day and I eat one meal and I can go through a day and I eat, I'll eat everybody in the family. <laughs> and it just seems to stay there. But, you know, most things, it seem to me, need some maintenance. If you want to make gains and change where your body is, it takes some maintenance. If you want to make some gains in your lawn, it takes some maintenance. If you want to change some things in your house, how many of y'all know your house needs maintenance? If you don't maintain the things in your house, what happens to it? Oh, man, it's, it doesn't look good. I mean, stuff is messy. The dishes are in the sink. It's smelly. It's all sorts of stuff. Things need maintenance. And when we get something from God, it needs to be maintained. Now, I don't know about you, but I got a, I got a nice truck out there, and, and I take it to a place. I take it to the same place to get the oil changed all the time. It's a favorite place. It's been a favorite place of mine for a long, long time. No matter where we move to, I always seem to be taking my car back up to this place, and they... They changed the oil, and they just started something really neat in there. They uh, give me the printout, and they tell me all the maintenance things that ought to be done on it. And so I actually came back to them with one of them. I says, on this sheet, you have that this maintenance ought to be done. I don't even know what that is. And they said, at 25,000 miles, this maintenance should be done. Why past 25,000 miles? And I said, maybe, and I, I figured that they did it because they did a lot of different maintenance things on it. And they said, no, we don't do that. We're just telling you you need to get it done. <laughs> so I, I got to go find somebody who does this thing that I never heard of. <laughs> and uh, and get it maintained because you know the vehicles work better when we maintain it isn't it nice when you get a list of what you have to do to maintain a thing I mean your, your car has a owner's manual how many have ever read that that's what I thought <laughs> if something's wrong then we go consult the owner's manual but generally why in the world because it's big I mean that's, that sucker's big why are we going to do all that no we got to Find out it's just be so much nicer if they just would give you a little list of maintenance. All right, at 10,000 miles, do this. At 20,000 miles, do this. At 30,000 miles, do this. And you're just, you know, checking off the miles and looking at that thing. Is it all right? I'm at 60,000 miles. What do I need to do to maintain my car? Because we all know we've got to maintain the gas. And we know how to do that. Because we have a little thing that just kind of, when it goes down there, certain level, then you want to maintain the gas. Uh, most people know how to take care of the oil. Some people still don't know what that yellow rod is that's on the inside of their engine, but wouldn't it be nice if we had a little dial in there that says your oil is low? You have a light, but when that light comes on, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's uh, not good. We don't, we don't want lights to come on. But it'd be a whole lot nicer. So we, what we wanted to do is to compile a, a bit of a list for you, help you out with some things on how to maintain the things that you gain. How do you maintain that? Now, we're going to look at a couple people just quickly. We're just going to refer to this because we've taught on these folks before, and so you know them. But Gideon, 
He conquered a vast army with 200 men. How many of y'all know that is a gain for Gideon? From where he was, God took him God a while to get him up to that spot. When he got there and he had this great victory, that was a gain. What happened to Gideon after that? Not much. There's no more armies. Uh, he kind of fell off. He back into the old habits, did the old things again. Um, Solomon, he received great wisdom from God. And God says, you didn't ask for wealth and fame, but I'm going to give you all that stuff too. Because you asked for wisdom. So he asked for this stuff and he was walking in it. And how many of y'all know he jumped up a couple of levels? But where did he go in the end? He kind of let the wisdom go, went after idols, multiplied wives, multiplied horses, did all kinds of stuff God said not to do, and it didn't go well. Jesus had a lot of meetings around town. Lots of people came to those meetings. There was great teaching. There was great ministry. People were healed. People were set free. Things were done. Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem and ministering to people for three and a half years, setting people free, healing all kinds of folks, and they're all excited Jesus is here. And a week later, what happens? <laughs> Crucify him and hardly anybody's on his side. I would suppose that those folks didn't maintain what it is that they gained. So how do we do it? How do we maintain these things? How do we maintain things like the healings that we receive? Maybe you got a prophetic word. Maybe somebody spoke a word over you. Uh, maybe encouragement came. Maybe there was a renewed commitment on you into something. Maybe a purpose came to you as to something that you're working on and doing. How do you maintain those things? Because it just seems like if you just go on about your business, you fall back into the same thing you were at before. You have the same aches and pains. You have the same mental attitude. You have the same emotions. And nothing seems to change. On it. So we need to get that thing to go. The first thing to understand is that God wants us to grow. you got to understand God wants you to grow. And when we grow into a new level in our walk, He is not the one to take it away. He is not the one to take it away. Now picture yourself. How many of you have ever raised kids or helped somebody raise kids or been involved in any aspect of the children while they were being raised? Little brothers, little sisters, stuff like that. You had some interaction there. How many of y'all know when the child makes the game to go to the potty, you don't go backwards? <laughs> right? They, once they make that gain, we don't go backwards. When the child makes the gain that they can go and get their own drink of water, we don't go backwards. What happens when they say, Mom, get me a drink of water? Get it yourself. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not getting that for you. You know how to do it. I mean, for, for years, Mom's making cookies. Mom's making breakfast, and all of a sudden it dawns on us how to make breakfast. And we come on down in the morning, and we decide that mom ought to make breakfast for us. What's mom say? Is your arm broke? Right? Get out there and make your breakfast. You can do some of these things. No, we don't want to, we don't let our kids regress and go backwards. And God doesn't want us to go backwards either. If we go to the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable. This is just the uh, teaching from it, not the parable itself. You can go back there and get all of it if you want to. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, how many people is he talking about? Would anyone be anyone? Would you be anyone? <laughs> yes. Say, I'm an anyone. I'm an anyone. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. 
Whose fault is it if you don't understand the word? Now, be careful how you answer this thing, because I'm going to we're going to go back over this. Be careful how you answer this. How many have ever sat in a in a meeting and and the teacher or only in front of the TV or listened to a tape and somebody is teaching to something? He's just she's just not a good teacher. I didn't understand that. How many have ever said that? Don't raise your hand. Your inside hands. And we, we a lot of times blame the, the sower for our lack of understanding. I've been in meetings where, you know, you, you watch one brother or sister and they, they listen to the word. and Oh, this is good. Oh, I'm so excited. I want to go out there and put this to work. Somebody else says, man, I didn't get nothing out of there. Was it the sower's fault? No. Whose fault is it? Anyone. It's the fault of anyone. The anyone's are the, are the problem here. He didn't say that the sower didn't understand it. He didn't say that the sower sowed confusing seed. He said the sower sows the word. Sower sows the word. That's what he sows. But when they get the word, they don't understand it. Now, well, how many of you ever had English in school? Everyone had English. You had to. I didn't like taking it. If I could have, I would have opted out. There's a few subjects I would have opted out of. English was one of them. I just didn't like English. Beside that, I didn't have any really good English teachers. <laughs> I mean, they just couldn't teach me English at all. It, was, it must have been their fault. If I had had a good one, I would have done some, something better. Right? <laughs> no. You have a group of, of people, and I, I don't know what it is about girls, but girls just seem to do well in English class. Did anybody else notice that? I mean, if you have a group of 30 people in the class, then half of them are girls and half of them are boys. Ten of the girls are in the top ten of the, of the scoring. There might be one or two guys that we pick on and beat up after school that are in the next ones after that. And then, you know, but the bottom ten are made up of guys. Absolutely, the bottom ten are made up of guys. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think there is an award that comes to the guy at the bottom. I wasn't ever at the bottom, but I must have been pretty close to it. <laughs> I just, I was not good. I couldn't spell. I couldn't dissect a sentence. I didn't like anything about English. I didn't like anything about any language until I took Greek. Until I took, when I took Greek, I fell in love with language. I thought, this is the best language on earth. Why was I not born in Jesus' day? <laughs> this language makes sense. It's logical. I mean, it's not easy. But it was very logical. It made sense. There's only one way to pronounce a word. You could never stand up in front of... I, th I think I told you this before, but I sometimes wrote some words out phonetically in Greek so I could pronounce it later on. An English word. I would write it out phonetically in Greek just so I could pronounce it later on. Because in Greek, I could spell it out where I could remember how to, sp how to say it. In English, I have no idea how to say that word. Right? I mean, you spell it out. Do you say it this way? Do you say it this way? I mean, just think about that. Read. Did you read something or, or have you read something? You, would, you do not have that problem in Greek. You just don't have that problem. Every letter has one way to pronounce it. One. That's it. There's no silent things. If it's there, you, you say it. <laughs> we don't have that problem. But then there's English. No, you go in there and you have the class and the same teacher is teaching the same thing and some of the kids get it and some of the, us don't. Why? Because some of us had an attitude when we came into class. This is English class. I don't like English class. 
We should have to take English class. They're going to give us tests in English class. I don't like English tests. I've got to write papers for English class. I don't like to write papers. And I didn't. Didn't like it. I guess I had to do it. But <laughs> you had to read. Mm-hmm. You had to read in English class. Oh, man. Who came up with that idea? And, you know, we'd uh, find ways, you know, we'd watch the movie, we'd do sort of, some sort of stuff like that to get away from the reading. Well, we see, we didn't apply ourselves to English class, and so we came out of English class with very little. But then there's some of those people that are always at the front. And, you know, they got the pencil and the pencil's going the whole time in class. So they're just writing and writing, and I'm thinking, what are they, what are they writing? What did she say that I'm supposed to write down? Writing, writing, writing. They come out, they got three, four pages of notes. I got two sentences. I don't understand. Why are you writing? Writing, 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 writing. Well, watching sometimes in church services. I mean, sometimes you watch people. There's some people writing, 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 writing. And some people. Right? I wonder who's going to get something out of that. Oh, man. See, the understanding is on our part. And when I finally learned that the understanding is on the anyone and not on the sower, then I began to listen to stuff. And, All right, this is my job. I got to get hold of this thing. I got to train myself how to understand stuff. And I began to train myself about how to understand some things. And I began to do this with some teachers that were extremely deep on some things, on some topics. And I would listen to them and I would listen, I would go through the tape and I would go through the tape again and I would go through the tape again and I would go through the tape again and I'm still not getting it. So I would go through the tape and I begin to write down everything that the person said and then I'd read and I'd listen and I'd, I'd keep applying and applying and finally, I got it, I got it now, I got it. What, whose fault was it that I didn't understand? It's my fault because I'm the anyone. If anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. What the devil can steal is what you don't understand. Go back to the English example. How many have ever been in, remember being in English class and having the English test and there's questions on there and you're thinking, did we cover this? <laughs> was that even something we went over? A parsable? What's what's a preposition? I really don't. Did we did we talk about the go out to the? Did we really talk about prepositions? And you know, two people, two girls from the front. Yeah, we did. Last Thursday. You want the notes? It's not going to do me any good now. We're in the test phase. We're being tested. What happened? The enemy came in and stole that right away. Of course, I didn't recognize it as the enemy because I didn't want it. I mean, when am I really going to use prepositions? When, how, when was the last time that you had to break down a sentence? Uh, yeah, me neither. I don't, I, I don't break down sentences. You know, I don't sit there and you're talking to me. Okay, that was the noun and that was the verb. I, I, don't, I don't do that. That doesn't help me understand you. <laughs> English. I don't know. You guys like English? Yeah, I know where you're at. Yeah, we still got to do it, though. (laughs) Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Learn early. 
Because I learned how to study in college. That's not the best place to learn how to study. Much better places to learn how to study than to do it there. It's a lot more pressure. But here, here it is. The devil can come and he can steal away what was sown in your heart. Do you know when the sower comes, he puts stuff in your heart. He is sowing. The sower is sowing. He is putting something in your heart because it's going to be something that you need to use. And you just let the devil steal it away. Why? Because I don't understand it. It's one reason. But he who received the seed in the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. I can tell you these people, you know, they go to church and they're, they're sitting there and, they're, and the preacher's talking and he's going over some stuff. She's going over some stuff. They're preaching the word. And, amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is good. Did you get that? Oh, this is good stuff. Oh, can you, did you hear what he said? No, you're making too much noise. <laughs> How did you hear anything? You haven't shut up yet. How'd you like to have a conversation with somebody? Hey, Matt, how you doing? Glory! Glory! Oh, hallelujah! I'm trying to talk to you. Glory! Oh, hallelujah! You can't talk to people like that. You know how you talk to people? Quiet down. You listen. So I see some of these people, because Tulsa's full of them. <laughs> They're all over. They multiply. They're just all over the place. And so you sit there and you get into the service. Thank God for good amplification because you, we weren't here a thing. And they're over there and they're just hollering, hooting, hollering, hooting. But you know what? If you watch those people, they never changed. They receive it with joy, but guess what happens? Doesn't, doesn't last, does it? But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word. Immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he, immediately he stumbles. As soon as something comes in that you don't like, something that comes in, persecution, somebody doesn't like something, you know, you're making a stand on a thing, you're believing God for a thing. As soon as that word comes up, persecution comes. You don't last. You don't endure. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becomes unfruitful. All right, I got that. And we're going on away. And as we're trying to process and get that thing to understand it, let me, let me go back to English. English, we're sitting there in English class and they're teaching us all about prepositions and nouns and verbs and adverbs and adjectives. I know the words. <laughs> and so we're, we're going, on, all right, we're going to have a, a quiz on Friday on adverbs and adjectives. And all right, we're going to have a word. I need to, I need to go home and go over my adjectives and my adverbs. And then we get on home. And, you know, we're, we're, I'm going to understand this. I'm going to do this. And then Charlie calls up. Want to go play some hockey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Forget English, man. <laughs> hockey. <laughs> so we're going out and we play hockey. And then it's dinner time. And so then we, we were playing, you know, doing the dinner thing. And, and then, you know, after dinner, all right, I'm going to get into adverbs and adjectives. Except that shows on. 
Get Smart. Love that show. We just found that we found an old Get Smart show. It came on the cable TV, and we, we taped it because we wanted our, 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 our kids, you know, they had gone to see the movie, but never saw the show. And we're trying to say, uh, you know, you, you, you got to see the show. So we got a couple of the shows, you know. We were, so we sat there, and nobody else wanted to join us, so we watched one of them. And he pulls up in that little tiny pretend car, that little little tiny thing, and, you know, and the music's playing and all this. Oh, it just goes you on back. You know, one of those shows are coming up, and so that, well, you got to watch Get Smart. And then, and then the next show comes up, and then it's time for bed, and then what have I done with adverbs and adjectives? <laughs> No, I didn't do anything with it. Why? Because the cares of this world, cares of this world, the things of this world came in and they crowded it out. Now, I know no one here was like me and no one else got distracted as much by football and hockey <laughs> from doing schoolwork. But that can happen. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. The only one that is said to understand it is this one, and he is the one that produces fruit. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. One of the keys that you got to make sure if you're going to maintain what you receive from God is you got to understand what happened. You got to understand what you received. Too often, all we got to do, all you got to do, is mess us up on what we what we received. And once you mess us up with that, he can he can go from there. Remember, uh, Brother Doug Jones was teaching on healing, and he went through the Word of God. And he said, what did people receive? Let me remember this question. What did people receive when hands were laid on them? Mm-hmm. And most people would say, healing. And see, that's one of the things the devil wants to try and do. He wants to get you to think that you received healing when hands are laid on you. You didn't. What you received was healing power. Power to heal. It's a difference. Look how many times healing power left Jesus and went into people's bodies to do a thing. So the devil says, well, if you received healing, how come you're not healed? See, he messes you up on what you understand that you receive and thereby alters the whole thing. Because you lost your understanding, you eventually lose the thing that you gained. Anyway, well, that's not our, our text here. We want to move on. Um, I'm just going to read Proverbs 6 to you. This really has very little to do with what we're getting into. These six things the Lord hates, yet seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. He says there are six things, yep, seven, that the Lord hates. So we're going to follow this outline. And we're going to go after six things, yet seven. <laughs> seven things you got to do to maintain what you received. What the devil wants to do is he wants to come in and he wants to be able to steal what you received. He wants to be able to take that back. If you got a free in your mind, if you got an emotion, if you got a healing thing taken care of, if you got some, if you got something like that taken care of, he wants to come in and he wants to take what you have. He wants to take it. Now, how many of y'all know there are some things that we are more protective of than others? When I was a young boy growing up, I was not very protective of my school books. If I lost one, oh well. I couldn't do the homework. I didn't have my school book. I lost my notebook. All my homework was in it. I really didn't care if I lost it or not. I mean, I'm just not attached to these things. It's just, it's a book, you know. (laughs) But stay away from my hockey equipment. Don't you dare take my stick. That's my stick. 
take that stick and beat you upside the head with you. Tell you to take my stick away again. Don't you mess with my bicycle. That's my bicycle. Touch my bicycle, I'm going to come after you. Right? And there's some things that we're more protective of than others. You know, the sister's dolls. How many you want? <laughs> I'll show you where they are. <laughs> but, but you know, you know, you know, I'm trying to tell you, there's some things we're real protective of and some things we are not very protective of. And you can find out exactly what it is. You know, when we were, when we were growing up and we were messing with brothers and sisters, you know, we messed with each other. A lot. My uh, older sister and I, we messed with each other a lot. And my younger brother and younger sister, they messed with each other a lot. There was a division between us. And we didn't, uh, you know, my brother and I, we were kind of the bridge between it. So we would pick on each other some. But the big battles were between my sister and me. And I'm sure that my little brother and younger sister caught up. But, you know, as we grew, so did the battles. As we got bigger, we were able to do bigger things. That's just how it was. (laughs) And so, you know, the, the stuff that we did to each other got more and, and, and more complex. And, um, you know, you could tell if you were messing with something that was going to bother the other person by their reaction. You know, if you took something of theirs and they say, have it. All right, this isn't going to work. I need to find something else. And so we put it down and you go find something else until what are you looking for? I'm looking for a response. I'm looking for something that says, that's mine. Put your hands off that thing. No, no, I got something. That's what we want to do. We got to become a little bit more possessive of the things that God has given us. Too often God has given us things and we've been in a meeting, we've been in the Word, we've been in different places and God gave us something and we just kind of let it go. But He's going to come after, He's going to weaken us up. He's going to soften us up with a couple of things. He's going to try and do some some things with us in this area. And so we're going to have six things here in which the enemy comes against us because we, as we were talking about over the, the weekend, the enemy comes in to try and trick you. He can't just outright take it. He's got to try and trick you. So he's got to get you so that you let go of your understanding or don't pursue your understanding so he can steal what it is you have. The first thing, and I, I was kind of writing these down this week as they were coming to me. And then I, this morning I said, oh, you know what? I ought to reorder those things and kind of put it from the top thing down to the bottom thing. And I didn't do that. You know why? Because I didn't remember until I got over here. <laughs> so I didn't do that. So that's, that's why. No spiritual reason there. Just I didn't do it until we didn't remember until we got over here. But I still put the number one thing here as the number one thing. The number one thing that the devil likes to try and do to get us to fall into so that we do not maintain what it is that we receive from God and he can come in and steal it. First thing he tries to do is get us to fall into criticalness. We've talked a lot about criticalness over the years. And this is one of the things he wants us to do. And what we're focused on here is what others do. How many of you as a Christian have ever been focused on what other people do? We all know what other people did to um, not deserve the word that they got, to not deserve the healing that they got, to not deserve the blessing that they got. If you want to go in, when we were growing up as kids, if you wanted to ask us if we deserved the punishment, you know what we'd say? But you know why we would say it? Come on, it's real easy. Y'all did it. I did it. But my sister... (laughs) And my brother did this. I'm very conscious of what other people have done. And as soon as I get the finger pointed at me, Steve, what are you doing? What do I point to do with the finger? 
But they did it too. But they did it twice. Right? We're, we're, we know what everyone else has done. We're very conscious of what everyone else has done. We use that as a, as a, I become very focused on what other people do. Have you ever been, certainly nobody here, but people in other churches in other countries. They have, um, you know, they've, re, they've been in meetings and they've received something from God and no one here but other people may have sat on back and said, what did God minister to that one? And look how they're dressed. I mean, they smell. They weren't worshiping God as much as I was worshiping God. They came in late. Did you see how many times they went to the bathroom? Right? They didn't even open their Bible one time. They didn't write a single note. I got pages of notes. Right? I'm, we're, we're focusing on what they did compared to what we did. And we become critical of what I received based on what they received. Now, if you like watching hockey like I do, and you, you see a guy get a penalty, almost, oh, not always, sometimes they just say, yeah, I did it, and they go to the box. But that doesn't happen too often. Most of the time, <laughs> you know what they're doing? But, didn't you see? They tripped me first. They elbowed me. And a lot of times they're right, because it, it seems in hockey, they, they're blind to the first thing. They, they catch the second thing. I don't know why that is. You have to be, uh, in order to be a referee, you must be blind to the first thing and catch the second. I think it's a requirement. Anybody else hockey fans think the same thing? And of course, you must be blind to anything that Crosby does. It's a requirement. Criticalness. What others do. If the devil can come get on in my life and he can begin to say, look at what other people are doing. How come God didn't minister to you? How come God didn't do that for you? Yeah, why didn't he do that for me? Become critical. Become aware of what other people have done. Number two is bitterness. None of these things are probably going to be new to you, but just see that as an area of maintenance. What others do to me. What others do to me. Very, very aware of what other people have done to me. And I begin to go to God. But, that, but God, that person did this to me. And you're ministering to them? And bitterness begins to come in. And I begin to shut down towards God ministering anything because I'm bitter. If you fall into criticalness, if you fall into bitterness, you shut down the power of God working in your life. More powerfully, I think these are the top two things. More powerfully than anything else, I have seen this shut Christians down. Good Christians, people who love God, it has nothing to do with you loving God. But this is what God says. You, you got And there's a whole lot of scriptures. We have best with these titles, these, these topics, many times before. This is not new. Criticalness, what others do. Bitterness, what others do to me. Number three, meagerness. Meagerness, what I lack. How many times are we looking at, well, God ministers to them. They've gotten, every time we have a meeting, they get a word. Every stinking time we have a meeting, that person gets, sometimes they get two words. You know what last time I was? I got, a, I got a word in the meeting. Five years, four months, and 16 days. That's how long. <laughs> I'm aware of my lack. You know how many times they got healed before? I'm, I'm only coming to God for one thing. I don't get it. Just one thing. Just ask them to do this one thing. That's it. Just one thing. But not me, no. But them, they've been healed ten times. I'm, I'm focused on biggerness. 
I, I, I lack this, I don't have this, I don't have this. And I'm always, and whenever you get into meekness, you're always comparing what you have to what other people have. And you know what? It's never the same. It's never as good. How many of y'all know whatever you have is not as good as what somebody else has? If you have this kind of attitude. Your car is not as good as so-and-so's car. Your house is not as good as so-and-so's house. Your kids are not as good. No. <laughs> we get into meekness. We're, we're, we're focusing on what I lack. Number four, distress. You put in parentheses on this one if you want to. Burdens. What I carry. How many all carrying some stuff? You feel distressed. You feel burdened. These things are weighing you down. These things are, you, you wake up in the morning, oh, it's, oh, and then you remember. And the distress, the burdens come on. It's what you're carrying. And these things come upon you. That'll rob you of what it is you got. You got to get those things off. Number five, fearfulness. What I may lose. I'm afraid. You know, just about every, every fear that is out there is based on what you will lose. Why are people afraid to fly? Because <laughs> they're afraid they are going to die. They're going to lose their life, right? <laughs> that's, I think that's behind most of them. Why are people afraid of spiders? Because they're going to bite me and kill me. I just know. They're going to bite me and I'm going to die from the spider bite. Well, there's only a couple of poisonous spiders. I don't care. I'll find the one that's... that's <laughs> Why are people afraid of snakes? I just know they're going to bite me, but it's not venomous. It, it don't matter. They'll find some. <laughs> we, just, we, just, we get this idea that we're going to, to die. We're going to die. You know, the guy, the guy for the poster child for fear, I don't think you have to go very far for this one, the poster child for fear, Monk. Monk is the poster child for fear. I love that one scene when he went into the doctor's office and uh, he's getting a new psychiatrist. Then they had him, uh, you know, fill out the, the fears that you have in the little spot. And he said, do you have extra paper? <laughs> and so they gave him an extra sheet of paper. Do you have more extra paper? <laughs> and they gave him another sheet. Can I have more? <laughs> he wanted three extra sheets of, of paper to write down his fears. Fearfulness is what I may lose. If you're afraid of something, it's because you think you're going to lose something. You know why some people are not afraid to skydive? To bungee jump? It's not that they don't think that they could die. It's that they are not afraid to lose it. That's all. Just not afraid. You ever see that commercial? I don't know. I forget the commercial was about, but there's this guy. He's rock climbing, and he's over all this this water. There's waves crashing in the rocks below him, and he's on something. And you see him just make a leap, and with his one arm grab uh, some kind of little. I don't even know where it was there. Just a little tiny thing on the rock. Grabs hold of it, and he's swinging out. If he would have missed it, he would have fallen down. Thinking, damn, he's not afraid. I would not make that leap. I'm not that good of a rock climber. Number six, worthiness. What I did or didn't do. We get real conscious about this, but I just missed God. Oh, I just cussed. Oh, I just thought bad thought. Oh, I just got into something I shouldn't. We're, we're guilt. You can put guilt in there too. I'm thinking about worthiness. Am I worthy for God to have done something for me? And I've received something from God 
And then what happens? Oh, devil comes in. He says, you are such a sinner. Look at the attitudes. Look at the things you've done. Look at this over here. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that God ministered to me. Yep. And because you haven't gotten out of it, God's going to take it back. And we lose it because of worthiness. What I did, what I didn't do. If you want to go through and look at somebody who, who follows these patterns, you can go over to Saul, 1 Samuel 9 through 31. You all can read that this afternoon. Chapter 9 through chapter 31. That's pretty much most of the book of 1 Samuel. If you read through his life and look at this, you're going to find out that Saul falls into, he starts off pretty good and God's blessing him and he's moving up in the higher levels and he's getting into better things and now all of a sudden he's king and then all of a sudden becomes critical, becomes bitter. He begins to look at what he doesn't have. He's king and he's looking at what he doesn't have. He becomes distressed. He's carrying burdens. He has to have a musician come in and begin to play for him. He becomes fearful of David, what he might lose. I'm going to lose the kingdom. God's going to take it away from me. He looks at his worthiness. He has guilt. All these things. He follows the whole thing to the, to the T. And he goes from hitting a high level with God to going all the way on down to God says, I am sorry I made him king. And God was going to take him out from being king. Maintenance. We got to begin to, to do some maintenance in this. Now, there was a story I, I heard. Now, pardon the um, theological indiscretions in the story. But you get the idea of the thing. There was a... Um, a fence between heaven and hell. And on this fence between heaven and hell, uh, the, the, over in the hell side, they were getting a little rambunctious and they were, you know, carrying on some. And they crashed into the fence and broke the fence. Well, it was hell side that broke the fence. And so hell was supposed to come over to, to fix it and they didn't fix it. So St. Peter, he, uh, he, he called up the devil and he told, told the devil, it's your responsibility to fix that. You need to fix the fence. And so about a month went by and no one fixed the fence. And so St. Peter, he called up the, the devil again. He says, look, if you don't fix the fence, I'm going to sue you. And the devil just laughed at him. He says, where are you going to get a lawyer from? <laughs> oh, that was, that was good. Maintenance. <laughs> Maintenance. All right, we know the things we shouldn't do to maintain. <laughs> what kind of things should we do? You're a lawyer. That's all right. We're going to allow a couple of them in heaven. No, nah, those lawyers are fine. I know a couple. And they're all right. Let's take a look at the exact opposite of these things. These are simple practices we can do to maintain. We see if we do these other things, these are the things that are going to cause us to fall out from the new level, to lose the thing that God gave us, to not maintain what it is that we've we progressed into. And you can say, well, how does being critical have anything to do with my healing? It does. It does. And go through the Word of God and show you more examples of that. But I'll tell you what, you need to stay out of it. Especially just because God says not to do it. That's a real good reason right there. Here's the first one. First one we had criticalness. You want to maintain Get into edification. What I say about or to others. That's edification. What I say about or to others. In Romans 15, 2, it says this. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth except what? 
for what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What is a critical word? It is a corrupt word. All it is, it's a corrupt word. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. That's what we're supposed to do. Did you know that when you go around and edify other people, you are maintaining your healing? You are maintaining your mental state? You are maintaining the gains that you have made spiritually? When you don't, you are giving them up. Well, we all got excited over that one. Let's go to number two. Number two is generosity. What I do for others. And we talked a little bit about generosity in this last series that we're, we've been in. In Matthew 25, verse 40, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, as inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these. We've got to understand that what we do to others... God views it this way as what we do to Him. Give you a little motivation to get out of some of those things you were, were doing. Edification, generosity. Number three, blessing. Instead of looking at what we're lacking, look at the blessing, what I have been given. People that look at lack have a certain mentality and they tend to lose what they have. Going out there right now and you find some people that are on a lack mentality, who always talk about what they don't have. Whether they're getting money from this one over here and it's not enough. They're not being paid enough or not. And you find out how much stuff they've actually stored up. When Israel was in the wilderness, what did they constantly talk about? We have no food. We have no water. We have no onions. We used to eat meat. They constantly talked about what they didn't have. And God liked that, didn't He? Did not. Did not like it at all. We need to begin to talk about our blessing. Begin to talk about our blessing. How many of you know that Joseph could have been talking about what he lacked? Well, I'm just a slave. Well, I'm just a prisoner. Well, I'm just in here doing these things and just doing slave things, just doing prisoner things. Oh, I'm supposed to have that, but I don't have this and I don't have that. My brothers are doing this and I'm not. But he doesn't do that. It's a mentality. You've got to get yourself men- mentally focused on that you know what I have? It's great. It's great. The wife I have, best wife in the world. Husband I have, best husband in the world. Kids I have, best kids in the world. Dog you have? No, I'm leaving the cats out. <laughs> leaving the cats out. Not talking about the cats at all. We don't want to get controversial. Ah, <laughs> oh, silly cats. <laughs> but you see, we've got to begin to look at what we have as being good. If we are always putting down what we have, why are we going to get, try and get anything better? How would you like it if your kids constantly put down, oh, I'm in this ugly house again. Oh, I'm eating this awful food again. Oh, I can't believe I've got to be up in that, upper, that awful room. I've got to call people on this terrible phone. I got a lousy computer. If we did, if if our kids talked about that as parents, what would we do? 
<laughs> well, lousy computer, let me take that off your hands for you. Don't like that phone? Let me relieve you of that burden. And we begin to take these things. Don't like your room? There's a Take your, your tent. <laughs> sleeping bag, you can go outside. You don't like this house? You can sleep on the step. You don't have to come in here. You don't like the food? Go buy your own. Isn't that what we do? If they came in with that kind of an attitude? And so what are we thinking that God's going to be doing? We're coming in and telling God, oh, this is lousy. Oh, terrible food. Oh, terrible house. Oh, I can't believe you gave this to me. You call this good? Look at this car. It's awful. If you look at your car as the best car in the world and treat it like it's the best car in the world, guarantee you, your cars will improve. You look at your house as the best house in the world and treat it like the best house in the world, guarantee you, your house will improve. Attitude will improve. A whole lot of things get better. Look at the blessings. God wants us to walk through life and say, thank you, God, for what I've been blessed with. Oh, I appreciate it. The Word of God is, is, I mean, I only put one scripture in these things, but all over the Word of God is talking about be filled with thanksgiving. Let, it come, let blessings and praise come out of your mouth all the time. Instead, it's grumble, 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 complain, 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 complain. We shouldn't do that. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with a few things. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In the heavenly places and in Christ. We're, we're blessed all over. We have been blessed. Talk about yourself. I'm blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. Don't try and say like I'm trying to talk myself into it. Believe it. I am blessed. I have some good stuff. God has blessed me with some good things. And beside that, I'm going on into heaven. Oh, and I'm going to have a real nice house up there. And we begin to focus on the blessings instead of the lack. Changes your mentality. Number four. I put in there selection. God has selected you. What has been committed or entrusted to me? God has selected you. He has said, Steve, I want you to carry this around. I want you to work on this. Instead of seeing it as a burden and a distress, I look at it as I have been selected. No one else has been selected for this. God thought I could do it. Hey, all right. God has committed this to me. He said, Steve, would you take care of this for me? God has taken some of his stuff and he gave it to me. The parable of talents is about the the guy who has the talents, giving it to the other people. So this is my talent. I'm giving it to you. Take care of it for me. Make it work. And he comes on back and says, how'd you do with it? He entrusted that with him. I have been, look at that. Not, I'm not in distress. I've been selected. I've been selected. How many have ever been in those things where, you know, you, you, you're playing football, you're playing hockey, and they, you know, we all line up. Let's pick teams. You ever been in that, done that, been picked teams, you know? And, you know, some of us have been the last picked. It's always fun. <laughs> last pick person that's just not a fun thing to do i don't like being the last pick person you know you want to be the first pick person or at least the second or third but the last all right we'll take him oh man <laughs> that means in everybody else's view i am the worst player here that doesn't get you real excited is it but god has selected you for what it is that he he has you doing Number five, faith. Number five, instead of being in fear of what I'm going to lose, have faith what I will gain. I'm, having, I'm believing God today. God is going to bless me today. 
God is coming through for me today. I don't know what it is yet, but God is coming through for me today. God is doing something. Glory to God. Matthew six twenty seven. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Now, that's talking about height. But I'll bet you, some of you folks, how many of you worried about your weight? You know, again, up, down, whatever direction you're trying to go. Worrying doesn't help, but does it? No, I'm not going to add anything that way. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is thrown to the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek for your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'll tell you what, a great advice if we could just follow that. That maintain a whole lot of things for you for God. One more verse, Matthew nine twenty two. But Jesus turned around, and when He saw her, He said to her, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. Speaking of the woman with the issue of blood, and the woman was made free from that hour. Number six, worthiness. In parentheses, I put righteousness. Instead of me looking at what I have done and am I worthy, I look at worthiness as in righteousness what Jesus did for me. When the enemy comes and he tries to say, look how bad you were. Look how disobedient you were over the last week. You were terrible. God's not going to minister to you. You say, look what Jesus did. In Isaiah 53, 4, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. Galatians 1, 4, Who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from the, this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Look at what God has done for you. Every time the enemy wants to come up and say, look how bad you are. Look at what you've done. Say, uh-uh, don't matter. Look what Jesus did. I wear his righteousness. Mm-hmm. Now, we said six plus seven, right? Mm-hmm. We did the six. Yay, seven. So here's the seven. Walk in love. You walk in love, you're going to find out you're going to do all those things. Ephesians 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God. He's a good one to imitate. As dear children. How many of you ever ever wanted to imitate Michael Jordan? Oh, yeah. I mean, is there a better basketball player? I know. Will Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, the debate always goes on. And, you know, I wasn't around during Will Chamberlain, even though he was a Philadelphia guy. I just love watching Michael play. Oh, man. It just seemed like whatever he did, it's worked. And, I mean, how can you not retire on shooting the winning shot? For the championship, I just thought, oh, wow, what a way to go out. Fantastic player. Just he seemed like a neat guy. I don't really know him, but he just seemed like a neat guy. He does great commercials, too. But, uh, you know, um, Peyton Manning. How many people want to go back and drop in a packet like Peyton Manning? Or run like Michael Vick? Or um, oh, who was the guy over in Detroit? The, the Barry Sanders. Oh, I used to love watching him play out there it's too bad he didn't ever have a team but oh he could even without a team he could run oh he was so good if barry sanders goes back too far for you go up on youtube and find some barry sanders clips walter payton 
some of these guys, oh, some of the things that they did, they were fantastic to watch. And we want to imitate some of those. And sometimes we go out there in the, on the yard and we're playing football. And I'm Walter Payton. I'm Michael Vick. I'm all the or be imitators. He says, be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. You want to take a look at somebody who followed in this path? Look at David. And for that, all you have to do is read from 1 Samuel 16 all the way up to the end of 2 Samuel, 24th chapter, and you'll have it done. <laughs> all you got to do. See the whole thing. You'll see, the whole, you'll see David followed all these patterns and go after this way. You can go after whichever one you want. You can be a Saul. You can be a David. It's your choice. Sum it up for you this way. You want to maintain the thing that you have received from God. Too often we focus on the thing. You can't just focus on the thing. You've got to focus on the package that God says. You want to keep that thing that God has done for you? God has blessed with you? God has, uh, has given to you? First off, guard your words. Guard your words. Thoughts and actions. Guard your words, your thoughts, and your actions. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you think. And then be careful with what you do. Now, it sounds a whole lot easier <laughs> to do, doesn't it, than to actually pull it off. Guard your words. Guard your thoughts. Guard your actions. If you do these kind of things, you will see when you gain new ground, you don't give it up. You don't, you don't fall back. You keep it. And then you gain some more ground. And then you keep that. And then you gain some more ground. And then you keep that. And then you gain some more ground. And you keep that. That's what God wants us to do. Guard your words. Guard your thoughts. Guard your actions. Keep them in line with what you have gained or where you want to be. Your words, your thoughts, and your actions should be in line with what you have gained or where you want to be. Where you want to be. Just want to apply this for you before we go. I want you to understand how to, how to put this into work. How many of you have a business you're looking to grow? Make sure your words are in line with growing that business. How many times have you said, I want this business to grow? We pray. Father God, I pray that you have this business grow. I want you to add to it, increase this thing. And then you, you get up from prayer and you go on down. <sighs> well, no increase today. I'll bet you no one will call today. And we're, we're saying words that are in the negative side. Can't do it. Okay, we stop with the words, but beginning to think it. And we have this thought that goes in. Well, nothing's going to happen on that today. Nothing's good going to go on with that today. Or we have actions of such. I have actions that function in such a way as to, well, no one's going to be buying this stuff. No one's going to be doing this thing. So I have actions along the lines that I'm not getting ready for it. And you can't, you can't do that. You've got to have, you've got to guard your words. You've got to guard your thoughts. You've got to guard your actions. They've got to be in line with what you want to do. You know, I make bunk beds. I talk to people about bunk beds. You know what my, my uh, outlook is on bunk beds? They're booming. I expect that uh, they're just going to keep on coming. And I'm making actions according to that. I keep making pieces because it has been years since I've just been able to make pieces and not had orders. Because the orders just keep coming. 
Every once in a while, I've gotten to where there's like three or four orders on the board. And before the week is over, I'll even say, before the week's over, I'll have more orders on the board. And sure enough, before the week goes, I got eight or nine orders on the board. And they're just, because they just keep, because I believe it. And I have words and my actions are such that, well, I'm not going to slack off. If I slack off, they're all going to be coming in and I'm going to be really having a hard time keeping up. I got to have words along with those actions. How many got a healing? You could have thoughts. What if I lose it? What if that doesn't happen? I can have words when, when someone's talking to it and they're not a believer. Well, I got to be careful. They're not a believer. How you doing? Well, so far, so good. Dear Lord. Come on. Surely no one here does this, but knock on wood. <laughs> oh, come on. Have words, have thoughts, and have actions. In line, how many have ever been healed of something and then the, uh, uh, they get an opportunity? Hey, you want to go do this? Oh, I'm not sure how I'll be feeling. Really? Really? Do you remember the woman? who had the oil, had the, the big financial need and had a little bit of, what do you have in the home? I got a little bit of oil. All right, go do this. Go and borrow all the containers you can. And then when you have all the containers you can, close the door. Don't open it again. Close that door. And you begin with that oil, begin to pour it into each one. You know what she did? She made plans for how much she would succeed. And the oil ran out as soon as she filled up the last container. Let's just say that she pulled in 100 containers. What if she had 150? She would have filled up 150. What if she got 200? She would have filled up 200. What if she got 300? What if she rented a facility? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just dreaming here. We've got to make actions that go in line with what we say that we're believing. We've got to have actions on that. Guard your words, guard your thoughts, guard your actions. And make sure you keep them in line with what you have gained or with where you want to be. If you have made a gain, how many of you got free from something mental, some emotional state that you were in? Depressed, downtrodden, whatever was coming in on there. And you got, I, thank God I got free of that. Don't go out from here and talk, well, I hope that doesn't come back on me again. No. You got to be talking about how you're going to do You have gained a new level. Now talk about operating at that level. This is where I'm at. This is where I belong. This is where God wants you. If you're going to maintain what God has given you, you've got to do it. You've got to maintain it. Look at your life. Go back over. Am I maintaining? Am I staying on the side of maintaining? Or am I doing the things that's given the opportunity for the devil to come in and take away what I got? Don't, don't let that happen. Don't let that go on. God has given you something. He's blessed you. You've received something. Thank God for it. If you were in a meeting like this one, maybe somebody else comes down the road and you get in that meeting and you don't get prayed for, nothing happens to you, you know what you should say? God, I'm not coming back to the next meeting. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> what do you do? Look around and say, Father God, look how you bless this one over here and how you bless this one. Over. Oh, it's so good to see that. I was so glad to be a part of these meetings where people were receiving things. People got blessed. Thank you, Father God, that I was able to be here and be a part of this and help people get blessed and help people, help your folks. That's what we do. You have that attitude? God won't wait for a meeting. <laughs> I say, you know what? Just take this. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> he just started pouring stuff out on you. 
And you say, glory to God, that is good. Oh, that is good. How many of you ever like to, to how many like to bless people? Little kids. You ever, you ever bless little kids? You know, I know of one guy who was in church, used to have Tootsie Pops. You like Tootsie Pops? You like Tootsie Pops? He used to carry Tootsie Pops around. And he'd go out to the kids. This is way before he had trouble with that. This is a long time ago. He'd go out to the kids and he'd give them some of those things. And they'd take them, oh, they love this sort of stuff. Oh, this is great. And they would all come around him. You know why? Because I'm going to get some. <laughs> so, you know, the kids would come on around and, and you know, he made sure they'd find out from the parents and they didn't want anybody to have anything. He'd uh, certainly not do that. But um, he's always giving stuff around. Now, if a kid came on up and you were giving stuff out like this and the kid came on up and said, just one, I don't like grape. <laughs> you got anything better than grape? I mean, grape? Ugh, who likes grape? What does that make you want to do? Take it right back, right? God doesn't have to go over there and take stuff back because the enemy's out there stealing everything that you let go of. You don't got to take it back. But you know what? God gives us something. We've got to stop looking and say, I don't know if I want it. No, God gave it to us. Father, Father God, you gave this to me. This is mine. I must need it. This must be really, really, really good. That attitude it shut down the power of God coming at you later on. Whatever God blesses you with, thank you, Father God. And you go around, you talk about that, and it's the best thing in the world. Oh, man, God gave me that. Oh, it was good. Oh, it's the best thing in the world. And that's how you talk. You want to get it to a higher level? At this one, if you want to get to a higher level of what God has for you, you've got to walk in a higher level of the imitator of God. Because you can't maintain it otherwise. You'll fall back down to where you're at. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to become imitators of God. We want to be an imitator of you. We want to do the things, walk away, go the direction that you did. We want to be an imitator of God. And as we move up into a higher level, if we're going to maintain that higher level, we've got to be even more of an imitator of you. Those things that are not imitators of God... Those characteristics are anchors and they hold us down and they pull us down to the lower levels. If we want to move to the higher levels of what God has, the higher levels of God's blessing, the higher levels of God's power, the higher levels of God's understanding, the higher levels of whatever it is that God's doing in us, the callings, the giftings, all those things. If we want to move into those higher levels, we've got to be able to maintain it. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us to be able to do these things, accomplish that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hope this helps you out with maintaining some of the things, keeping some of the things that God has given you, because whatever it is that you got this week, I want you to keep it. And I want you to take that and go up to a higher level. And then when you get to that higher level, keep that. And then move on up to a higher level after that. And, and, and so forth. Uh, anybody have a dream car here? Anybody have a car that you say, it's your dream car, and you don't have it right now. No, I'm not, that's, right, that's fine. You don't have it right now. Raise your hand. I have a dream car, but I don't currently own it. Right? Oh, this is good. This is good. All right, good. You've got a dream car. This is the car that you want. This is the thing that's out there that you want. What is preventing you from having it? <laughs> that, that'll do it right there. Yeah. But that can be corrected. <laughs> we have a dream car. 
the thing that keeps us from buying the car is it's expensive. It costs your dream car is a dream car because it's a better car than what you got now, right? It's it's up here. You're driving this one, but you want this one. It's up here, and so you you, you can't quite get to that. But there's also there's one other thing that's going to affect you in your dream car. It happens with every single dream car that's out there. Once you make the purchase for the dream car, what happens next? What's that? Well, even just yeah, just do one you out. That is true, though. You always get a new car. What happens? What's what's another reason that keeps you from getting that dream car now? Anybody thought about maintenance? Right. I mean, if you have a Ford, a Chevy, your maintenance is down here. It doesn't cost that much. You get a BMW, Mercedes, your cost on maintenance increase because they see the Mercedes and they drive it in. Money. And you charge them twice what we charge anyone else, right? And then if you go beyond that, you get the Aston Martins and the Bentleys and the whatever else is, is out there. Oh, man, they got lots of money. All right, triple the rate. Whatever it is, is triple, right? It, 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 it takes more maintenance. So why do people buy a car that costs more to maintain? Because they want it. That's all. If you want the higher things of God, it's going to cost you something to maintain it. It's going to cost you something in that you're going to, have to be a better encourager. And more of the words out of your mouth are going to be encouraging, not critical. You're not going to be able to have the room for bitterness and unforgiveness. You can't have that and pay the maintenance. Can't do it. Higher end car costs more to fix. Costs more to maintain. My neighbor was telling me about his oil change on his Mercedes that he's got. <laughs> oil change. I thought I was spending a lot on my oil change. My oil change for my truck cost me 45 to 50 bucks because there's a lot of oil in there. There's a whole lot more oil than most of your cars have. I can put both uh, twice what your car, what's in your car in mine to fill it up. It takes a lot of oil. It's a big engine. He told me what he prayed for his. I think it was like 120 bucks. To change the oil. Did you, to change the oil? Yeah, I paid 45. <laughs> 45 50 change the oil. See, it costs more. If you're going to pay more, you've got to have the funds. If you don't walk in the ways of this thing, then go through the Word of God. You're going to see these things all the time in it. If you cannot walk in this way, you can't pay the maintenance on a higher level with God. And you'll get there and you'll have to, you'll, you'll give it up because it's too much. It's too much of a strain. You ever see those people who have the Aston Martins? Are they sweating when they go into the, to the uh, place to fix it? Yeah, fix it. Whatever it needs. Just fix it. And you call them up. They're gonna, I don't care. Fix it. They don't care what it costs. Fix the thing. Get it done. Why? Because you get up to that level of a car, you better be able to afford. <laughs> you better be able to, to, to do all that. You know, some of you folks here, you're... How many all have to put 20 bucks into the, into the gas tank? Go in there and put 20 bucks in there. My gosh. And that's not even spitting in the mine. Mind if I go and fill it up at the prices right now? It's 100 bucks. 100 bucks. Not even empty. If it's empty, they don't let me fill it up. <laughs> I put the credit card in. I pull it out. I keep filling and it shuts off. It won't let me fill up my, my truck because it, it takes too much gas. It just won't. It's too much money. You know, it's too, this much money times this many gallons. And if not, we don't, we don't do that many. I'd have to actually 
put the whole thing up, pull it all out again, run the credit card again, and start filling up again. If you want the higher lifestyle with God, it's going to take a cost on your part. Get yourself ready to pay it. Get yourself ready. Because then when it comes, you can maintain it. You can maintain it. Wednesday night, we're going to get into um, Samson again. We had a fun one on this uh, last one. We actually got into stuff at the end that I didn't have in the notes at all. So uh, if you want to know what that was, you have to go and listen to it on the Internet because I'm not going to tell you. But it's up there if you want to go up there and, and to get the, get the stuff that's there. That would be Wednesday.